The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to Squawk Box. Here are your headlines today. U.S. inflation is forecast to hit its highest level since the early 80s and an expected 6.87% expected across, raising fears the Fed will be pushed to act faster. Asian equities take a leg down after U.S. markets snap a three-day winning streak with tech stocks leading the losses. Very good morning, everybody. The U.S. is expected to put Chinese AI firm SenseTime on its blacklist, forcing bankers to reassess what it means for the company's Hong Kong IPO, which is due to price today. And Daimler Truck sits on the starting blocks as it prepares to hit the open road and list in Frankfurt today. We have Daimler Truck executives Martin Dome and Ola Kalinas joining us later on in the morning. Unless uh, you've been living under a rock for most of this week uh, around the financial markets, um, you will, of course, know that we have a big jobs, uh, sorry, a big inflation number uh, due out today in the United States. And of course, we've had several uh, pieces of uh, job related information that, uh, again, the markets are looking at uh, for confirmation bias as far as this inflation print is concerned. So, The anticipated number for U.S. November CPI is 6.7%. The latest print will be due out at uh, 14.30 Central European time. Now, if those forecasts are correct, it would mark a near 40-year inflation high, which would take us back all the way to 1982, only uh, a couple of years before that, of course, Fed Governor Paul Volcker raised prime interest rates to historic highs of over 20%. And as we know, uh, that exacerbated the already ongoing recession in the United States and had implications globally. We did get a a jobless number uh, yesterday that also looked uh, historic. US jobless claims hit a 52-year low in the week ending December the 4th, coming in at 184,000, which was uh, below most expectations. However, continuing claims were surprisingly high at 1.99 million. That's uh, nearly 90,000 above the Reuters forecast. But of course, Those data points do nothing to disabuse the idea that the labour market is still recovering strongly in the United States, Karen. And Jeff, it might be a quite odd morning here in Europe today as we waited out for those inflation numbers. I think a lot of participants in the market are very keen to see what that data point looks like. So early on, as we pick up from the Wall Street trade, this is how it looks uh, read across the board for the Dow, the S&P and the Nasdaq. So uh, we did break a three-day winning streak. There's been a, a lot of green on these markets in recent trades. Very strong intraday sessions have played out. We started to fade a day early and then we've actually snapped it now, as you can see, particularly on the tech sector. The Nasdaq 
NASDAQ down 1.7%, but it's been such a strong run for this component of the market and a, a big catch-up trade that's played out. But as we start to talk about uh, the potential for much firmer inflation numbers, uh, close almost to a 7% handlement, 6.7 according to Dow, 6.8 according to Reuters. And there's a string of various different forecasts out there in the market. So it is uh, a likely red-hot number, and that will trigger potentially some concerns around interest rates, which is a negative story for the NASDAQ and the big tech components. Let's take you to the performance over the week, and you can see the contrast to the session yesterday. 3.4% uh, higher now for the Dow. So that pullback we saw on the NASDAQ was instrumental in stripping away some of those very strong gains on the NASDAQ. It had been the best performer of the U.S. markets before that session yesterday. So you can see uh, now trailing behind the Dow in terms of the percentage gains, but still incredibly solid right across the board. A big moving stocks to the downside uh, for the Dow was Boeing. For the others, it was Tesla. And as we know, there's been a bit of speed around Tesla in recent trades around the momentum. Let's get to the Asian markets. We are hearing a lot across these global markets that uh, there might be a bit of risk aversion ahead of uh, the data point today. And don't forget, a lot of Asian markets uh, are going to be shut as uh, the key uh, point crosses. So four tenths down for Australia, modestly south for the Chinese market. Hong Kong reversing eight tenths, and we've got one percent down for Japanese stocks. U.S. futures early on. Uh, this is how we are perched. You can see it is also a slightly tricky equation for many traders and investors stateside trying to guess what the data will look like. So it is uh, cautiously weaker at this early hour. Jeff. Yeah, Karen, thank you very much indeed for that. Let's get straight into some analysis and some calls with David Newhouser. He joins us. Uh, from Livermore Partners, where he's the CIO. David, very good morning to you. Uh, how are you anticipating the inflation number in terms of portfolio construction? Have you taken any steps here to adjust positioning as we run into this hot number? Yeah. Hi, Jeff. Hey, um, you know, we're not, we're not changing our dynamics today in terms of portfolio construction. Um, I think all along, you know, our view has been that, you know, inflation is going to run hot and it's going to get hotter. And, you know, we've seen that throughout the year. Um, I think that trend is now even continuing more uh, as we're seeing more different variants of COVID, uh, as we're seeing continued supply bottlenecks throughout. Uh, it's just going to lead to uh, higher sustained inflation, which, as we know, the Fed has been uh, honing in on lately. So it's uh, tomorrow's number is going to be interesting. Uh, I think it's going to still run above trend. And uh, our view still point is that, you know, you want to own hard assets and shift away from sort of the growthier areas of the market like technology. Notwithstanding uh, the Nasdaq's decline yesterday, it's actually had a, a winning week here. So how robust is your call on uh, moving away from the tech sector at the moment? Because every time we, we get a bit of a sell-off or some volatility, it does feel as though like Pavlov's dog, the retail investor uh, and maybe the institutional investor as well, goes back to those technology stocks that have done them so well over recent years. Yeah, well, look, I think it's hard to stay away from things that you have this low growth uh, environment in terms of uh, economies, uh, given, you know, we've had massive stimulus, which has helped uh, reflect higher growth. But reality, below trend, uh, if you look at growth continually, it looks a lot lower without stimulus. So you look at it where we see rates in the, you know, the one handle for the 10 year, uh, we're seeing the two years starting to, to move up. So you're seeing a flattening of the yield curve. 
And I think that tends to see more investors uh, dive into sort of the growthier aspects because they believe that in a lower growth world, you know, you want to own high growth uh, assets that keep up with inflation or obviously outperform inflation. I think this time, though, it is going to be a bit different. Um, in the past, of course, we've had a Fed that's always sort of had the markets back. We've had this sort of Fed put or Powell put, as they say. Um, that dynamic is definitely on the change today. We've noticed that um, sentiment shift uh, from the Fed here in the past several weeks, and that looks like it's continuing. So every time, like you mentioned, that you've seen uh, stocks start to come in uh, in a pretty good way, they've always rebounded. You always buy the dip. This time, I think it's going to be uh, the potential for an error in terms of judgment on investing in sort of those growth areas is going to be uh, prevalent today. And, and you're starting to notice that. I mean, if you look at some of the things that you, know, you and I have talked about in the past few months, some of the things even our, our hedge fund, uh, Livermore, is, has been short in the past, things like ARK Investments or Tesla, of course, or even uh, Meta. Facebook. I mean, those stocks have lately have been underperforming. And I think that could be a telltale sign uh, of things to come. I'd like to hear it this time is different story. I, I want to get to the, the positioning around new economy stocks. And Tesla does fit into that. Maybe the others are less so when we talk about Facebook meta and the question marks around its future in some ways around the younger audience. But you know, Tesla, in the new economy, you've seen other rivals as well in the space, others in renewable, very big multiples that have been encouraged by low interest rates for, for many, many months now, as we've seen through this pandemic stimulus phase. What happens next, though, because if you're also cautious around the interest rate story, taking the shine off the valuations, you potentially still want to be positioned in some of these areas for the longer term. So how do you think about that? Yeah, you know, I think, look, the market tends to trend in cycles. So I think we've had, uh, you know, enormous period of uh, stock out performance, right? And a lot of that's been predicated with uh, monetary policy, as we know. And then, of course, with COVID, we've seen a double dose, right, where we've had monetary policy explode. And then we've also had fiscal policy, right, where we've had $4 trillion uh, of stimulus happen. The one thing that you look at, though, is we've seen this pullback, of course, in productivity. And that's where we've seen labor shortages, a tightness of supply and higher inflation, like we're going to see in the morning. And as that's happened, again, you know, Initially, some of those sectors, like you said, technology, which has always prospered because of sort of the monetary policy effect. If we're starting to see a more hawkish uh, central bank, because we know that you know um, lower rates aren't going to help bring jobs, uh, you know, people back from the jobs market to to get into the uh, you know employed, then then ultimately you know their job is their mandate, right, which is inflation and and unemployment. And, uh, you know, inflation is running extremely hot today. You're seeing uh, yields obviously uh, still trend negative. And I think the only tool they have in their toolbox right now would be to raise rates. That would be bad for obviously any high growth names, technology especially. So my viewpoint is I think over the next several years, uh, as you've seen tightening, more tightening in terms of monetary policy, it could have definitely have an effect in terms of reining in uh, tech valuation. And if you look at, uh, Karen, underneath the current of the, the technology sector of the NASDAQ, which is having an explosive year, uh, there's a number of companies that are trading below their 200-day moving averages that are actually in a bear market. So it's a, 
it's a bit uh, troubling and also uh, fooling people a bit too, uh, as well. David, while we're talking about red flags then, can I ask you about the stock sales that we've seen stateside? 48 top executives have effectively collected more than $200 million each from stock sales. Uh, this is four times the average uh, what we've seen from 2016 through to 2020, according to research. What do you make of that signalling function? Is it just timing? Is it just coincidence? Or is it uh, insiders calling the top of the market? You know, I think it's actually a combination so I look on one hand, some of these stocks have done, you know, just so well, right? Over the last several years, you'd be uh, a bit foolish uh, if you were an investor and, and an executive in some of these companies, and you're not looking to take profits and get some liquidity, right? You're seeing that from everywhere, from Elon Musk at Tesla to Jeff Bezos to so so many other executives. At the same time, I would also uh, argue that uh, there are a number of companies out there that are trading at what I would call fluff valuations, right? Which what Livermore would call. And those companies are really just uh, a shell. And as those valuations have exploded uh, due to all the, the fiscal stimulus and retail uh, investor momentum, I'll just say, um, you know, those, those, those executives are using that as a, as a lever to yeah. take advantage of it. David, big big picture. Um, you're in reflective mood this morning, I know, but we've got a um, what the uh, um, highest print likely on inflation for 40 years. We've got the um, best uh, uh, jobs number here, I think, for 50 years. Um, you're actually having a look back at what happened in the 20s and some of those other difficult market periods. Um, to what extent do you think we are repeating history then when it comes to letting inflation run too hot and demanding a harsh policy response from central banks? Are we realistically going to see a 30s-style recession or a 70s-style recession? Yeah, you know, that's, a, that's an interesting... Uh Are you okay? Can you hear me okay? David, I think, I think we've got some uh, problems with uh, your audio. So we're going to wrap it up here. But thank you so much for, for joining us once again. Uh, David Newhouser, the CIO of Livermore Partners. Maybe we'll come back to that at some point later on in the program. I don't know with another guest, but because I think it's fascinating uh, to what extent uh, we may be rerunning the tape on some of these broader themes. Uh, I want to talk about the China new vehicle sales. We've just had some numbers through from the Industry Association here. Uh, new vehicle sales negative 9.3 percent for October year on year. That's against the negative 9.4 percent expected. Uh, January, November vehicle sales uh, coming in at 4.5 percent. The uh, year ago figure was negative 2.9%. So that's at least a positive number. New energy vehicle sales coming in up 121% year on year. The January to November new energy vehicle sales coming in then at 166.8% year on year, according to the Industry Association. There was one other piece of news as well that I just wanted to uh, put across your desk because it fits in with this broader theme, I think, that we're seeing in the auto sales number here of some um, slowing in consumer demand and consumption patterns. And that's China's stock 
of unsold new homes hit a five-year high amid weak demand. Reuters also putting out that snap this morning, but it's seemingly getting a little less attention than these headline auto sales numbers. Uh, Moving on, Japan's wholesale inflation rate hitting a record high in November, uh, rising 9% year over year and topping expectations uh, for a rise of 8.5%. The Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida said today that the government must be mindful of downside risks to the economy from chip shortages and supply constraints. He also says the government has no intention of tweaking Japan's sales tax from the current 10%. Still to come on the programme then, uh, we're on the starting blocks for uh, Daimler Trucks, one of Germany's biggest auto groups, preparing to spin off a key unit in a big test for investor demand in the sector. We'll tell you more about that when we come back. And we'll be continuing our inflation watch here on Squawk. And for more on that topic from both sides of the Atlantic, you can check out our podcast. Listen to CNBC's Beyond the Valley, the podcast that explores the biggest tech news from across the globe. Join me, Arjun Karpal. And me, Tom Chitty, every week as we bring you insights into the top stories, unpack the latest trends and find out where the industry is headed. Now available on Spotify, Apple Music and Google Podcasts. Welcome back, everybody. Ratings agency Fitch has downgraded property developers Evergrande and Kaiser Group to restricted default. That decision comes as both companies face mounting pressure to meet bond repayment deadlines, although neither of them has so far announced an official default. Kaiser Group has reportedly started work on restructuring its $12 billion offshore debt, while Evergrande faces over $300 billion in liabilities. The Chinese uh, startup SenseTime is reportedly re-evaluating its planned IPO after reports that the United States will now put the company on an investment blacklist. The artificial intelligence group had planned to set the final price for its much-anticipated Hong Kong IPO debut uh, due today. Uh, The action of the uh, US government related to what it perceives as sense times activities in the Xinjiang region. So this is human rights related. But Sam, as we bring you into the conversation, uh, this is a headache for the bankers who um, seem to find out very late that this was going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Good morning to you, Jeff. I mean, you've got to love the timing here. And as you say, the bankers will be sort of scrambling to plan what to do next. And it does make you sort of wonder whether this whole situation will become a bit of a test case now for companies looking to IPO in the face of some of this pressure. Because we first learned about this from the Financial Times saying that the US would be putting sense time on this investment blacklist over its alleged ties to the uh, what's going on with the human rights abuses over in 
Xinjiang. There's also some suggestion that this is perhaps to mark a human rights day. Of course, Biden is hosting this uh, uh, summit at the moment on democracy, which, uh, of course, China wasn't invited to. But uh, it did come as a uh, sense time uh, was, of course, uh, really tying loose ends when it came to its uh, Hong Kong IPO. It was set to uh, price that uh, today. Those shares are expected to start trading on December the 17th. We haven't yet heard anything from sense time. But what we have now seen uh, is Reuters reporting that the company uh, is certainly in talks to uh, discuss the fate of this IPO with the Hong Kong Stock Exchange now. Now, the company had reportedly not been made aware uh, that uh, it could be put on this blacklist. And uh, uh, that uh, really caught a lot of uh, people that were working on this IPO by surprise. The US Treasury will reportedly be putting sense time on this blacklist. It's called the Chinese Military Industrial Complex Companies, which means that Americans uh, won't be able to actually buy into the IPO. And that came after President Biden earlier this year actually signed an executive order banning Americans from being able to invest in these companies that have found themselves on this list over their alleged ties to the Chinese military on these uh, national security grounds. Now, SenseTime uh, is, uh, is a leader in this uh, facial recognition technology, which, of course, we know is widely used in China. But uh, there has been some suggestion that the U.S. is pretty concerned about just how this technology is being used, and particularly uh, in the western region of Xinjiang with these Uyghur Muslims, Karen. Thank you very much for bringing us uh, that story, Sam. Much appreciated. Elsewhere on the IPO front, Nubank shares surged on the first day of trading, giving the Brazilian digital lender a valuation of nearly $52 billion. The company, which is backed by billionaire investor Warren Buffett, priced shares at $9 apiece and quickly became the country's third most valuable public firm. HashiCorp shares also moved higher in their Nasdaq debut, valuing the cloud software provider at nearly $16 billion. The company, which provides open source cloud software to brands such as Starbucks and Mercedes-Benz, priced shares at $80 each, raising $1.2 billion. I'm going to go digging into the origins of that name, Jeff. Uh, yeah, good luck with that. Um, Daimler uh, truck will today make its debut in Frankfurt as the commercial truck unit is spun off from its parent company. The truck maker is investing heavily in electric vehicles with the aim of having 60% of its sales made up of electric vehicles by 2030. Uh, Annetta, good morning to you. We, we've obviously seen a lot of excitement uh, in the United States around um, electric vehicles companies. As uh, Daimler Trucks uh, comes to the market here, do you think they can create the same kind of excitement around the idea of electric trucks? Well, actually, it's not only electric trucks. We have a differentiation here. The short-haul trucks, like which you can... Um, plug in uh, overnight, they, are, they will be powered on electric basis, but the longer haul trucks will be powered by uh, hydrogen or some hydrogen technology, which makes more sense because an electric battery for like a long haul vehicle would just be uh, far too, too big and also too heavy uh, to make sense commercially. So what we're seeing today is um, a Daimler truck uh, listing. It's not essentially technically an IPO. It's a listing of the shares 
and the volume could be between 25 and 45 billion uh, euro. Uh, so it's a, it's a big company. And for one day, they're also listed in the DAX, but then they have to go again. But they have most likely they will enter it again just because of the sheer volume. So technically, 35 percent of the um, whole uh, listing will stay with Daimler and 65 percent will go to the existing Daimler shareholders. For two shares of Daimler, you get one share of Daimler trucks. So the rationale of the deal is quite clear because um, Daimler is concentrating on luxury um, cars and the truck, uh, the, the truck business is, doing, is, is catering to a completely different market. We have seen um, listings of truck business also from Volkswagen with Traton, for example, and they're targeting completely a different market, as I was saying. Um, what is needed with Daimler truck, if you compare them to the competitors, they need to boost profitability. And that's what their CEO, uh, Martin Daum, is also promising for 2021. The, the order book is quite full. It was a bad year, obviously, uh, with Corona, but 2022 looks set to be actually quite a successful one, depending, of course, on what is what's going to happen and also how the supply chain bottlenecks will affect the company. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.